Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and... Angela. Angela, how are you this morning? Well, I'm alive. You're... Indeed you are. Yeah, so literally I was thinking, you know, the last two days I've been on radio and I was like, I wonder how people feel because, you know, last week it was replayed the other shows from the week before. So I wonder if some people woke up and heard my voice and were like, ah, not again, it's their pre-recorded session. <laughs> so I just want to assure you, I'm, no, we are, I'm live. We are, we are live. Yeah, I'm not live. O- not only are we live, <laughs> no. but Angela is <laughs> Alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. that's a great story. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you know, in, in America, we drive on the other side of the road, and it was raining and dark this morning, and I may have missed my turn, and I may have thought that it was easy to turn around, and it turns out that sometimes when you turn around, there's these things called cement medians. You know, and that's the not the actual, that's not actually yeah. the edge of the road; yes. that's the middle of the road. Yeah. So you might think you have turned around proper, and you're actually driving, um, you know. Towards traffic instead of with traffic. Yeah. <laughs> that would have really scared. <laughs> it's a good thing we do breakfast radio when there's no traffic on the road. Uh, or it was dark and rainy because of breakfast radio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we are super glad that Angela is live and alive this morning. Um, yes. And that so what are you other thankful people for? didn't get a heart attack this morning. Okay, so I'm thankful for random gifts that come in the post. Now, this kind of never happens to me. I never get packages unless they're like car parts or something like that uh, that I've ordered online. But I did get two random packages in the post on the same day this week. Oh. And I don't ever remember ever having a random package in the post in the past. Was it food because someone's worried that you're not eating because your wife isn't around? No, I got... Well, I'm going to tell you about one today, one tomorrow. I got a Cuban number plate. I'm not sure. I have no idea the person who sent it to me. Um, it was a, the name on the envelope was a name that I'd never, ever seen before. And uh, But, yeah, I do collect number plates. I have over 200 number plates from more than 22 countries around the world. So, Cuba added to the collection. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Positively different news. So one of my favorite things to do is smile. And in this pandemic, people have not been able to see each other's smiles. And we don't realize the power of a smile. We used they to are say contagious. that eyes are the windows into people's souls, right? But I think as we've walked around in masks, we realize that eyes are not enough. It's the whole face that actually helps us to know how a person is feeling towards us. And so a surgeon in California has done something very creative that I think I'm going to borrow, to be honest. He has a picture of himself, big, giant, smile, happy-looking guy, laminated onto his lab coat. So whenever his patients see him, instead of staring up at his mask, which right now with all the PPE protective stuff, they kind of look very intimidating, and you kind of don't feel like you're in a good position if you're in the hospital with these people walking around. But he yes. has put a laminated picture of himself on the outside of his jacket. With a big smile on it. Yeah. That's a, you know, I think that's going to be really, really good. And I think this is something that should be adopted kind of universally through hospitals because, you know, you go in for an operation or whatever. I've, I've, I went in for an operation once and you get wheeled in and you're kind of all nervous and you're full of adrenaline and you're freaking out and you're surrounded by all these people. You're laying there on the bed. Everybody's looking down at you with masks on their faces. It's super intimidating. Yeah, definitely. You know, and they give you that shot of whatever it is and suddenly 
all is right with the world. <laughs> um, but a big smile, I think, you know, a smiley face on your uh, lab coat, that just sounds like the way to go. That and, you know, with this COVID-19, there's such a huge level of fear. Yeah. Because different people have responded in such drastically different ways. Some people seem to recover fine. Other people seem to have to go through this horrendous journey and then they don't make it. And so you're sitting there having no idea what's going to happen to you. And to be honest, mental state is a huge part of physical health. It is. And so to take that mental state and put it into a healthier position is going to pay off for their physical ability to beat COVID-19. And often when you're concentrating and you're doing a particular job, you don't really have that opportunity to smile. Whereas if you have it pinned to your lab coat or whatever it is, put it on your overalls. Yeah. Then it's just there's always a smile in your workshop all the time. Yeah. I, think it's, I think it's fantastic. We I need more of this in our world. I think, I think tradies should pick this up. You know, well, Just well, stick a smiley face on their overalls. Well, you know, I um, was reading through my new requirements because we're, we're going back to school. I'm going to work at a boring academy in America, you know, when I make it back. And um, in August, we're going to start. And there's we're, Michigan's in phase four. And so we're supposed to wear masks at the boring academy all day long. So I'm going to take a picture of this and send it to my principal and say, all right, if we have to wear masks, then I say all of us teachers and the students walk around with our badges um, that we take pictures when we first get there and a big smile so we can all see each other for who we are. Are instead of all these mass faces looking at each other. And your teachers and your students can see that you're smiling. Yes, because I think that plays a big role in the environment of learning. We might have to do a follow-up um, interview once you've been there for a few <laughs> weeks and find out how much of a difference it makes. Find out whether it made a difference when you put the smiley face on your, uh, on your badge as compared to beforehand. Yeah, well, actually, we're all praying that we go into phase five, which means no masks. So preferably, that would be what I would like. <laughs> so your phases must work the opposite to our phases. Uh, you know, in America, we just do things different. Because <laughs> <laughs> ours goes the other direction. You go from phase four, that's like super hard lockdown, to phase three, which is what Victoria's in at the moment, to phase two, phase one. I think we're in phase one in New South Wales at the moment, which is a step well, to be honest, I really have not been keeping up on American phases, especially in Michigan, just because I haven't been there. But so when I was reading through the paperwork this morning, I was like, oh, okay, so four, five, six, this is all good to yep. keep going out of the different phases, which I guess kind of, sorry, makes sense chronologically to like move, you know, uh, out. We could start an argument <laughs> on this one. Bring it on. Should it go up or should it go down the number? Anyway, what else is happening real quick? Um, so this one is personally one of my favorites. There's a 92-year-old woman, a Holocaust survivor, who's still teaching piano during a pandemic, and she is using a tablet where the student has the tablet faced on their, their hands as they're playing so she can instruct them. And she's 90. 92 and my grandmother is 92. My Australian grandmother is 92. And she teaches piano as well. Oh, really? At 92. And my grandmother still drives and still plays for two churches, a Sunday church and a Sabbath church. And has piano students and she's 92. That's amazing. Where does she live? Uh, Washington. Well, wa basically Washington, D.C., but Tacoma yeah. Park, Maryland. Tacoma. Yeah. Well, there you yeah. go. Fantastic. And so one thing that I really love about this too is the fact that she says as a piano teacher, she's learning so much more about her students because the iPad is showing them the room in which they live. And that's teaching her a little bit more about the emotional state of her students to see their house. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. And so she's able to minister to them in a more effective way. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. 
positively different. Joining us on the phone for our regular monthly update is Kent Kingston from Science Magazine. Kent, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lila and Angela, and hello, Australia and Faith FM. It's uh, great to be here again. Now, Kent, of course, you're the editor of Science Magazine, and we are always very, very keen to get a preview uh, of each month's Science Magazine. So what is Science up to this month? Well, yeah, the month of July, Science of the Times Magazine. I tell you what, we have an incredibly striking front cover, and I, I wish I could just... Uh, uh, you know, push it through the radio speakers uh, for <laughs> for you to see it. Um, but it's a, a very striking image of a, a young woman from West Papua with her, her face painted in the morning star flag um, colours um, because the, the front cover feature article uh, for this month is looking at the crisis in West Papua. Now, this is something, of course, that... Um, has been going on and on since the 1970s, but the mainstream media ignores it. I, I think probably because um, the mainstream of, of politics basically wants to keep um, Indonesia happy, and uh, this is uh, you know a province of Indonesia that for a very long time has had ambitions of uh, of being independent. You know the people there are, are Melanesian. Um, you know dark-skinned, you know, islander people um, who don't really feel they fit within the, um, you know, the, the cultural and, and ethnic um, sort of context of, of Indonesia. They've wanted to be independent for a long time, but Indonesia has been resisting that um, sometimes violently, um, yeah, I think because of resources, because of land, you know, the, these sort of things. Um, but there's also um, the, the, the article uh, that appears in this month's Signs of the Times also explains that there are some racial and religious aspects um, to to this conflict. Um, I guess you know, in the era of Black Lives Matter, you know, we've all become a little more sensitised to you know some of the um, the stereotyping and the um, the marginalisation that goes on you know on on ethnic and racial grounds. And I tell you what, it's pretty. It has been pretty blatant at times. Um, from from Indonesia, from Indonesian people, you know, calling West Papuan people monkeys and, and this sort of thing. Um, and then there's the religious aspect as well, because the, the vast uh, majority of people in West Papua, um, which is, sorry, I, I probably should take a step back, you know, Papua New Guinea, that's just to the north of, of Australia. Our nearest well, neighbour. Yes, our nearest neighbour. Um, you can literally island hop in a you know in a tinny um, from the you know northern tip of Cape York over to Papua New Guinea. Well, the the left hand side, the the western side of of that island, which is one of the largest islands in the world, is that uh, the provinces of Papua and West Papua. So that the, and together they're often referred to as as West Papua. So that, that's where we're talking about. It's just on Australia's doorstep. Um, it's been going on for as I said, you know, since the 70s. So you know, more than more than 40 years and um it's 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 pretty tough yeah the the melanesian people there in west papua are are majority christian um indonesia of course is majority uh muslim i mean there's some diversity in in indonesia but um yeah there's been all sorts of persecution there's there's been killings there's been torturings um and 
the the media is often not allowed in there. Um, so th- this is a, an issue of um, of not just basic injustice and social injustice, um, but it's also an issue of religious persecution. And uh, Elizabeth Kendall, who is a religious liberty analyst who wrote the article for us, sort of unpacks this for us. And if, if you've been listening to Faith FM, um, and I know there are people out there who have it on all day. I chatted to someone this week who actually said, you know, Faith FM is, is like my friend. You know, I'm always listening to it. Um, it's a, a lady in, in Adelaide, um, Pauline. So if you're listening, Pauline, g'day. Um, yeah, she... So people listen to it. If you were listening to it last last week, you you would have heard the interview with um, with Elizabeth Kendall on the Science Radio program about this issue. Is this something you guys are even aware of, um, Lyle and Angela? It's something that I've looked into, but one of those, as you say, it's not one of those things that mainstream media is spending much time covering. You know, you, you get the Black Lives Matter issue taking place in the United States that just becomes a huge issue and just dominates, you know, the news feeds that come across your desk every day for, you know, several weeks. And a lot of these issues which are, you know, affecting vastly greater numbers of people and lives and, you know, culture and religion and everything else are just completely ignored, you know, in some of these other issues that are highlighted so much more. And you know, I should point out that there is a much higher level of violence and persecution and, uh, well, racial discrimination that is taking place in places like, you know, West Papua and, you know, various places in Africa as well. Um, just horrific, hor- truly horrific things taking place. So I'm really glad you've done a, an article on this. Kent, would it be fair to say that um, Indonesia would be the equivalent of a colonial power in its relationship to West <laughs> Papua? Well, this is an interesting thing because this all all happened um, as the uh, the Dutch, you know, the, the Netherlands were were pulling out of of Indonesia um, as a colonial power. So uh, this this is sort of the. Um I guess the, the ongoing consequences of European colonialism that they bring together a whole um, collection of um, you know disparate uh, groups and, and territories and and say this is our you know little empire of overseas um, and then when they pull out well you know that area has begun to see itself as as one region and so those sort of uh, imperialistic colonial um, sort of mindsets continue in some ways and and West Papua is has been very much a, a victim of that. Um, even though the Dutch said, "No, look, West Papua is, you know, quite, quite ethnically, um, you know, different. Uh, it probably should be its own country." Um, there just wasn't the political will from the US, from Australia, um, from you know other countries to sort of assist them to help that happen. And basically, Indonesia moved in um, through, you know, basically. <laughs> um, subterfuge and and while everyone willfully looked the other way, so uh, that that's sort of the history to it. But I mean, you know, look, there are a lot See? of places in the country where where there's a history. That the issue is really what's going on right now, and and the fact is the killing continues um, uh, right now, and and there needs to be justice right now. And, and so basically, you went from European colonialism to Asian colonialism, and yeah. that continues to this day, and that is creating the problems that we're seeing there right now. Fascinating story. That's right. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, we we have a number of sort of health 
um, related issues in in this month's Science of the Times. We've got a really interesting article um, looking at um, understanding autism and obviously for some parents thinking, oh my goodness, you know, my kid has been, you know, diagnosed with autism. This might seem like the end of the world, but um, that article sort of unpacks that issue. Uh, We also look at uh, my assistant editor, Daniel Kuberek, who's a bit of a bodybuilder, a bit of a weightlifter, you know, has built a fair bit of muscle over over recent years. Um, But he took on the challenge to go uh, vegan or pretty close to vegan, you know, definitely, you know, plant-based to cut out meat. And the question is, you know, can you continue to build muscle on a, on a vegan diet? And uh, so it's really fascinating to, um, to, to sort of follow his journey uh, through his article. And he was inspired by the guy who was named after um, the prophet Daniel in the Bible, who it, it, it does say there that when, when he was first sort of taken um, uh, prisoner, um, and taken to, to Babylon, you know, out of his own country to, to a foreign country, um, he he decided that he was going to go on this on this fast, you know, for for a while to cut all all the meat out of his diet, um, all the other food that had been dedicated to the pagan idol idols of of Babylon, and it turned out he he ended up with sort of a water and and vegetables and sort of lentils kind of diet, um, and the concern was. Hey man, you know this is going to cause you trouble. And but the the miracle was that um, that he ended up and his friends who followed his example, you know, ended up uh, healthier. Um, I think the uh, the old King James version says fairer and fatter, you know, than all, all the other boys who were going through this. Um, you know, they kind of saw it as a miracle. Um, we today recognise, well, this is just basic health principles. You know, if if you eat whole foods, if you you eat healthy foods, you probably are going to be healthier. Um, it doesn't matter how rich the guy is who's feeding you. If if the food he's feeding you is um, is actually you know not natural and, and not good, it's probably not going to do you any good. So, yeah, that's that that is that is quite quite fascinating. Um, and then I guess there's before you, know, you I, before I, you go to the, on the next yeah, one, yeah, Ken, I just I just have to ask: Have you been inspired to build some vegan muscle yourself? <laughs> Look, I'm I'm pretty much um, vegetarian, um, but it's. It, and we, and we, and we've lost Kent Kingston. I, I don't know where he went. Physical. Okay, he's back. He's back again. Sorry, we lost you there for a second. You disappeared for a yeah. second, just while you were probably making oh, your uh, confession. I don't know. It was just like- <laughs> yes, yes. I was. I was. Uh, I was confessing that um, it's not the the healthy diet that's the issue for me. I, I am pretty much a vegetarian, although I do have a sweet tooth. I confess. I, I have to stay away from the the sugar. I have to try to do that a bit more. And and I need to get back to the gym and do a probably probably even more importantly than the gym to do something sort of cardio, you know, get, get that cardio fitness, get the heart and lungs going. Um, that's my area of difficulty. That's re- really where I need to concentrate, particularly as I, you know, am in, into middle age now. Um, you know, you've got to look after yourself or you start to see the effects, um, you know, pretty soon. You've all made it, you've made the rest of us feel a little bit better there, uh, uh, Kent. I think, we can, I think we can all relate. Uh, what else is happening in science? Well, look, obviously, you know, this COVID issue, you know, goes on and on and on and people are trying to make sense of it. People are trying to make meaning of it. Um, And and it's interesting, you know, talking about, you know, Daniel and and his healthy diet, you know, Daniel was, of course, you know, very strongly influenced by his Jewish heritage. Um, And if we look in the book of of Leviticus, um, we can see these principles of clean food and unclean food. um, And it's it's fascinating to look at, you know, COVID and... um, and, and not just 
COVID though, because if you start looking at, let's say, Ebola, HIV, AIDS, bird flu, swine flu, um, you know, MERS, SARS, um, you know, the article is called Seven Deadly Viruses. And it looks at all, all of those and there's something in common with all of them. Do you know what it is? Uh, what is it? Yeah, you, you don't know. Well, I didn't know either. Um, but I, di- I discovered that each of these uh, deadly viruses, they're all viruses, they all came originally from animals. They crossed from animals into the human population. And it's interesting that in, I think in six or so six and a half out of seven cases, um, the animals that they cross from are described in Leviticus or, or fall under the Levitical category of unclean. So in other words, if we um, followed the Bible, six of these viruses would never have existed. Exactly, which is why the article is called Seven Deadly Viruses and How We've Brought Them on Ourselves. Um, if we had followed those, um, those instructions in Leviticus, we'd stayed away from those animals. I mean, bats are probably number one on this list. Bats are specifically mentioned in Leviticus as an unclean animal. It's almost like um, they're singled we, out, isn't it? I mean, a lot of other yep. things is like, well, here's a broad principle, and then it's like, and then there's bats. Don't eat those. Yeah. Yeah, there are specific animals mentioned. Uh, there are only a, sort of a handful of them, as you say, and, and bats is one of them. Um, then there are other human behaviours, you know, such as you know, when 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 we when humans cause deforestation um, and the human population grows, we find that we we end up with human populations living very close to uh, sort of you know jungled and, and forested areas, and the the people are you know often not being looked after very well. There's poverty. People get desperate. They end up in the bush looking for anything they can eat, um, you know, or, or these wet markets in China, um, you know, traditional medicines and sort of strange exotic meats and things like this. Um, these kinds of behaviours, HIV, AIDS, I mean, you know, um, sex outside of marriage, unfaithfulness to your marriage um, covenant, um, you know, these sorts of human behaviours, um, which, you know, the Bible is, is pretty clear about in, in most cases, are the things that have put us in the situation that we're now in. You know, I mean, look at COVID. This is, this is crazy. We're, we're looking at um, more than half a million deaths around the world now. Um, what's, what, what's, the, um, what's the level of infection now? That's, that's also in, in the millions. Um, is it 10 million, I think? I'm, I'm yeah, not sure. Something, something massive like that, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's crazy, and it all could have been avoided if we had um, applied those biblical principles that, that are right there because it not only does it um, tell you tell us which animals are unclean, it also says if you find an animal that is clean, that's you just find it dead. Um, or if you accidentally come into contact with an unclean animal, there are procedures there in the Bible um, for decontaminating yourself, for quarantining yourself from the community, um, you know, washing your clothes or any um, like object that's come into contact, it gets washed or sometimes destroyed, uh, particularly like objects to do with food preparation or food storage. Um, you know, these things have to be cleaned or destroyed. And you, so there's this decontamination regime you have to go through before before you go and rejoin the community. Um, so basically, there's, it's just incredible, you know, that we have this gaggle of escaped slaves, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago, um, before there's any microscopes, before there's any germ theory, before there's any knowledge of bacteria or viruses. And yet, we have this incredibly rational and incredibly effective uh, regime to stop uh, the spread of disease. I think it's incredible. For me, it is evidence that there is something going on uh, in the Bible, you know, more than just human wisdom. Kent, how do we get our copy of Science Magazine? 
what you need to do is jump on our website, uh, Lyle and Angela, and everyone listening on Faith FM. That website is signsofthetimes.org.au. That's signsofthetimes.org.au. You can read the articles for free there online. Um, you can donate. Uh, you can subscribe. You can check out our social media feeds. Uh, we'd, we'd love all that. But if you want the premium experience, the full design, all the pictures, um, some extra columns, you need to um, use that website to subscribe to the magazine. It's super cheap, just 26 bucks for an entire year supply. So that's one magazine every month except for except for January. So, yeah, that's signsofthetimes.org.au. Fantastic. Thank you so much, for Kent Kingston, for joining us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so question of the day has come through. Question of the day. All right, question of the day. Good job, Liam. As we know, getting divorced and remarried while your ex-husband or wife is still alive is classified as adultery. But for some reason, our church seems to be okay with that. I want to know how they've come to that conclusion. Okay, so divorce and remarriage. This is a very uh, vexed question in today's world because a lot of marriages do fail and for a whole bunch of different reasons. And so we need to look at the biblical, um, I guess, the biblical reasons that divorce is allowed. And we're going to start by going to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 32, where the Bible says, uh, Jesus says, But I say unto you, whoever puts away his wife except for the cause of fornication causes her to commit adultery. And whoever shall marry her that is divorced commits adultery. And so Jesus um, says that, you know, you can't just go divorcing your spouse just because you feel like being with another spouse. That's not how marriage works. And so he gives a, one exception right here, and that is sexual immorality. And we know that, you know, he speaks about fornication. A lot of people would say, well, that's just, you know, sex before marriage. Um, fornication, actually, in the biblical context, really does um, cover a whole broad range of sexual immorality. Um, you know, adultery, fornication, all these kind of things are kind of bunched together. And, of course, this is in the context of marriage that this is happening. So this is a married person. And so um, clearly speaking about uh, sexual immorality within the marriage covenant. Okay, then the other passage that has some relevance to this and is a much more debated passage is the passage that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul spends a fair bit of time talking about relationships and he's particularly talking here to Gentile churches and homes that are divided on religious lines. Now, first of all, he says, look, uh, just don't marry somebody who is not a Christian. Don't even go there. Don't even think about it. Don't be unequally yoked. Uh, the Bible is crystal clear on that. Um, and of course, I think all of us have seen the tremendous disasters that are the result of anybody who ever tries to go down that particular path right there. Um, but then he talks about, okay, well, what if you are married already and you're married to a non-believer? So he says, uh, if a brother has a wife that does not believe and she is pleased to live with him, let him not put her away. This is in verse 12. Uh, the woman which has a husband and believes not, and if he is pleased to live with her, don't let her leave him. In other words, don't be going and breaking up marriages just because you've become a Christian. That's not what um, Christianity is all about. Christianity is all about upholding the family and keeping the family together. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else your children were unclean, but now they are holy. 
And then he goes on, he says this one, but if the unbelieving departs, let him depart. In other words, if you become a Christian and your spouse says, you know, this is not what I signed up for. I signed up to be married to a, you know, a wild partying person, for instance. And this is what we had in common. And now we no longer have anything in common. He says, well, if, if that is the case and they are leaving you because you've chosen to be a Christian, he says, let them depart. Don't fight them on it. Um, he says, a brother or a sister, and that's a reference obviously to a Christian, is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. Now, the word bondage here is an interesting one. The word bondage in the Bible, uh, particularly by Paul, is used in the context of law when you are under a particular law. Now, of course, in context here, the, um, the law that is being spoken of is the marriage law that is creating bondage to each other. Uh, the word bondage you know, probably has negative connotations to us today, but um, it shouldn't necessarily be that way. And he says they are not under the marriage law in such cases. And this is why you will often find that churches will um, allow divorce and remarriage in circumstances that we would question. This verse here is often used very, very flexibly within Christianity today. And it's one of the tragedies of Christianity. And it probably should not be that level of flexibility.